We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox trying to get down White Sox, Dave, Kenny Carkeet, and Dante. And today is the day we've all been waiting for. Our interview live from Nashville with Patrick Carney from the Black Keys is out today. Gentlemen, we'll start out with Dante. Dante's running through a neighborhood. Dante, how are you, buddy? I'm not running through a neighborhood. I'm on a, on a bike path run trail along the lakefront. All right, cool, man. That, <laughs> I was going to say, that's more detail than we needed. But uh, if you guys can't see it. I'm training for a marathon, man. You guys, like, last minute are like, yo, we're recording. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, what marathon are you running? Chicago, October. No shit. Dave's, Dave's supposedly running it with me, but <laughs> I don't think his training has started yet. Hey, contracts are not legally binding when you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol when you sign them, and I was drunk. So <laughs> contract is null and void. Dave's not right, the bratwurst. Marathon. <laughs> oh man, I Dave, did a marathon already. Yeah, Dave, what marathon did you run? Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. How'd you do? Uh, five hours, twenty-five minutes. Respect. Total respect. Yeah, all I wanted to do was finish it, and I did. I, mean, I wanted to did. kill myself, but I did. Of course. Uh, Kenny, have you run any marathons Fuck that we haven't known no. about so far? Hell no. <laughs> run What's the for fun. You ever run? Eat shit. No way. What's the furthest you've ever run in your life? Away from the cops when I was like back in Florida. <laughs> I don't know, a couple hundred yards. <laughs> oh, you're such a piece of shit, dude. Uh, yeah. So obviously, big episode, big week. Uh, I don't even think we need to really get anything. I don't. I don't want to do any segments this week. People are here for the fucking two hour interview. I think we we just need to jump right into it. Um, but we did it live in Nashville. I want to give a big shout out to Gerard Longo uh, for setting that up down there in the studio we're at. Oh, man. The man, dude, Jimmy, the guy who shot it. We put this together as last minute as humanly possible. We got the email on a Friday. We were in Nashville on a Monday. Uh, proud of us for getting down there and Jimmy doing it. Jimmy killed it. Jimmy fucking killed it, man. Uh, all the clips will be up on YouTube. But, uh, Dave, I want to give you the MVP because I really thought you did a fucking fantastic job down there. And I know I'm a pussy for telling you nice things and everything like that, but, yeah. I'll take that compliment oh. today. I'm in a good mood. Yo, save the compliments for off air. You know oh. what I mean? I want to remind everybody that Dave tried to back out of this interview 20 times. and I, I did not 20 times. So it I was think, more like. So I think it's a co-MVP because Dave didn't even want to go until. That's, that's, arm. that's not true. I, it was, we didn't, it I was 12 hours before we were supposed to be there. And, and fucking Dante, whose idea was to go down in the first place. I'm looking at flights are like a thousand plus dollars. Hadn't gotten our, used his points his rewards points to get our hotel or our flight yet. And I was like, dude, this is not going to work. Like fucking go like you. It go. worked. It, it worked. worked. It worked. It worked. It worked. All is well. That ends well. And it ended. It couldn't have gone better. I don't think it was a probably hours. probably top 10 coolest people I've ever met. In my life. Agreed. hundred percent. hundred percent. Why is that? Why? I mean, because he, he doesn't just... give a shit. Yeah. Yo, but the actual the information. That this cute little podcast would allow you guys to go meet and hang out with a fucking Black Keys guy. You know what I mean? Like this cute little podcast. Look, dude, I think Dante wrote this in a blog today, but this entire time we've been doing this fucking bootstraps. We've just been going on a hope and a fucking prayer, running our head against the wall, and now look what's going on. Good shit happens if you just put the work in and shut your fucking mouth and keep your feet moving. See, yeah, I see all these bar school people cry about 
like they don't get resources, they don't get producers, they don't get camera people. I mean, we got people in Chicago that Dave and I work with that fucking lose their fucking mind if you try to schedule a cameraman for something. We haven't asked for anything from anybody. We've done everything on our own, funded everything on our own, acquired talent all on our own. So, yeah, I'm proud of it, man. I'm super proud of it. Hell yeah. Just a couple sure. idiots, dude. Couple idiots. It's all it really takes. <laughs> Uh, but no, I'm proud of us. I think this is probably my favorite episode thus far. And there's just so many great fucking moments in this interview. I'm just going to shut my mouth, let it ride. This is our interview with Patrick Carney from the Black Keys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, and I kind of can't believe I'm saying this, we got a fucking legend in our midst. Patrick Carney from the Black Keys. Patrick, how are we today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks well, for having me. Dave has a question for you. So, right top. Yeah. So <laughs> your uh, management team reached out to me. I was just sitting around twiddling my thumbs the other day and it's like, hey, would you guys be interested in interviewing the Black Keys? And I did that thing, you know, when you get a, you, you get a text message from a girl you like or something, you don't want to respond right away. You made us wait. <laughs> So I waited, you know, five or seven minutes. I I forwarded them the email. I'm like, yo, do you see this? And Colin responds right away because he's a lunatic and he's never not looking at his phone. And he's like, yo. And so I responded. I'm like, uh, yeah, we would like to interview the Black Keys. So you... I thought it was fake for the record. I did too. I, oh, I checked like a hundred <laughs> different times to make sure it was like... A, I Googled the management team, the agency and all that. I was like, this is legit. So... But you've done Rogan. You just did uh, Apple Music. You don't do a lot of sit-down interviews. Why did you pick us assholes? Because we're <laughs> nobodies. Well, you know, I think, like, during the pandemic, uh, 2020, like, I have a young kid, uh, too, now. And I, I just found myself watching a lot of YouTube <laughs> and listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, and there wasn't much music coming out, so I just kind of got hooked on on some podcasts. So, and I've, and I had this thing where I was like, Dan and I were talking, I was like, you know, it's like, if we do an interview with like Rolling Stone, the only people reading it are people that read Rolling Stone. Facts. It's like, it's just, I watch sports. I, I, mm -hmm. I pay more attention to sports than I do music essentially right now. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm still learning about, I mean, I've been into sports since I was a kid, but like, it's still kind of new to me, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I switched my focus kind of more into watching baseball than to, you know, we can have great conversation then because I'm the non-music guy of the show. And uh, I'm sure I'll just be peppering you. Yeah, me and Dante will that. leave. It's You're the yeah. guitar player. What are you I'm talking not, about? I, I, I can play like four chords on a guitar. Yeah, so, That's enough, though. That's yeah, good. part of what we're doing here is we're turning Dave into a rock star. Because okay. I'm a touring musician. Dante's a DJ. Yeah. Kenny is from AWOL Nation. And then Dave is learning. Yeah. Uh, can you just tell him what a hellhole the music industry and tell him to just back out now? Uh, I, it's, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's given you your life, but you obviously you see the underbelly of it too, and that's like kind of what Colin and everybody else tried to expose on our show. Yeah, you know, I mean, music is my life, of course. Right? You know what I mean? And and and, and uh, I kind of have this relationship with it, where it's like I I don't want to I don't want to wear it out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I don't sit around and just force myself to listen to music or force myself to make it. You know. And, and touring is a little different because lately we do we don't do tons of shows, so it's like it's always fun to go out there mm -hmm. and to travel and stuff. But my biggest fear is wearing it out, mm -hmm. just getting sick sick of it. You know, I mean, I kind of treat the same thing with like it's like imagine eating your favorite food like every day, like you have to find a new favorite food for sure. You know I mean? I mean, so I it's like for music industry for me, it's like I 
you know, I've passionate enough about it. Dan and I both are that we were willing to risk everything to play music, you know, and um, the, I still like can't really fathom the fact that it worked out, you know what I mean? And when things don't really quite work out for us, I just remind myself how still how incredibly lucky we have been because it's fucking doesn't, it's, it's very rare. I mean, if dude. I, if, I, if I look at my Facebook friends, like, I'm for, it's all it's all musicians <laughs> that I'm friends with that I grew up with. I, I'm one of the only ones that you know has made a living doing it. You know what I mean? So it's like the only person I can bitch about stuff to is our is Dan. Yeah. And so we bond heavily <laughs> about that stuff. But like, uh, you know, I do think it's the kind of job where it's like. I was happy to be in a minivan traveling around the country for no, for no money, risking like everything just to have that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and I look at I found the other day I found this. Um, it was our like it was an email that was sent to us for our first real tour. We had this guy named Ralph Carrera. It's, he booked this club in Orange County, and uh, he agreed to book us a tour. We had no, we didn't know how to go on tour. We had our first record came out. This is two thousand two, and he's like, "Here, here's your tour. Get in the van. <laughs> here's it's an email, and it was like twenty shows. It was like drive to Chicago, and we were gonna play the Beat Kitchen. Mm. Uh, it was like fifty dollars and a pizza. That was like, you know, that's what we were gonna get. That's we drove good living early on, dude. Yeah, well, it tolls on the Dan Ryan and all this shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna not make a dollar. Net, that's probably fine. Negative fourteen dollars. Yeah, exactly. Sleep in the car. We had no credit card. We didn't have a credit card. <laughs> we were out there like Man. literally free balling with no money. Our, you know, our parent. There's no way to get. I mean, we could have ended up in like a Scooby Doo situation, washing dishes. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Room. But you did that knowing that you were eventually going to make it. I'm sure, right? Or was there no, ever a doubt? No, I mean, you know, we we just kept going. Mm-hmm. We did that tour, and we went back to Chicago and played the Empty Bottle I a just bunch. Lived, and great spot. I used to live yeah. ten feet from the Empty yeah. Bottle. We I was played, at Augusta and Western. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I, it's like Ukrainian Village. Uh, yep, Ukrainian you know? Village. Yeah. I love. Uh, you know, uh, Abbey Pub. We played there. Mm-hmm. The Metro, uh, the Riv, the Vic. Did it all. The Oregon. Chicago United, United not have some of the best venues in. I I, I the love country. Chicago. I mean, Chicago was like. But you just rattled off the Metro, the Vic, Aragon. Those are Empty three. Bar, yeah, all we never best. played Double Door, which is no longer there. I right? was going to say that closed, didn't it? Yeah. That's that probably was, why they closed. They should have added. No, that was a fucked yeah. up story. <laughs> no, that was that was like some shady Chicago politics story with yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, Chicago was like the that was like the mecca for for us, and like it was New York, Chicago. Chicago was easier to get to. So when I was living, growing up, growing up and living in Akron, I lived there till I was thirty. We would go to Chicago a lot. I spent most of the summer of two thousand four in Chicago because my girlfriend at the time was going to Northwestern. Mm. And I fell in love with the city. It was just like this is the, this is the spot. Um, but back to the touring thing, like yeah, it was. There's no guarantee that we would ever like, you know. Uh, we set little goals. That's mm-hmm. what kept us going. It was just mm-hmm. like when we. So it would be like yeah, let's play, the Bee Kitchen. Like well, that all the real bands are playing the Empty Bottle. Let's go there and try to. And the then, Stones played the Empty Bottles in the '60s. That's been around for decades and decades. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's like a legendary. It's the spot too. Mm-hmm. That's the place they really took care of you. What were the outside influences like dealing with? So your family, your friends, did they all think you were fucking crazy dropping out of college and 
trying my, to pursue this. My grandfather had a PhD in chemical engineering. That's why. Oh, that, so that's yeah. how I. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how I ended up in uh, being from Akron, because my grandfather, who's from West Virginia, he was raised in a single family home. His mom was a teacher, so I guess she must have like made him get good grades, and he ended up getting a PhD from uh, West Virginia in, in organic chemistry, chemical engineering. And um, yeah, I was going to school in Akron University, you know, like a commuter school, you know, where kids just go and they don't know when they have terrible grades, like Dan and I, and don't know what they want to do, like Dan and I. And I was struggling and a lot of my teachers were dickheads and (laughs) I just wanted to play music. And I thought I was getting this insurance policy by getting this degree. And I was like, after two or three years going, I was still like technically a freshman. And Dan was like, fuck it, I'm dropping out. And because we started, you know, we, we decided we're going to start the band. I'm dropping out. And so uh, the next semester, I decided I would do the same thing. And I, I, I had this, I had my, I was working at this restaurant in Akron as a cook. And my dad and my grandfather came in to eat. And I was like, I, this is a good time to tell them because, like, I can go back to work. I'm going to go out and tell them on my break yeah. and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I went out on my break and I sat down with them for a minute. And I was like, so, I'm, you know, I'm going to drop out of school and do this band with Dan and my dad was like, no, you can't, don't, don't. <laughs> and my grandfather's like, you know, he's uh, he's like, yeah, give it two years. And if you don't, it doesn't work, then go back to school. And I was like, damn, I got the fucking pass right there. Let's go. Because my uncle is a musician. My my, my, my dad's brother uh, was a musician, amazing musician. And, uh, you know, basically destitute, you know, for most of his life. Uh and I think that, you know, they clearly just didn't want that. Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, you realize if you're a musician, that's like, that's the risk you take. If you you know, yeah. play music, you might be destitute. And so was, I always was like, if it didn't work out, I would, you know, have to mow lawns or something, which I've been fine with. <laughs> I used to do that. Yeah. yeah. I'm much happier it worked out because it's really hard fucking work. <laughs> what moment, like, was there a specific moment? Because, I mean, the big come up is now 20 years old which is fucking insane. Yeah. It is crazy. And then there's Thick Freakness and there's Rubber Factory and then there's Attack and Release and uh, everything in between. But where, like, was there a moment where you're like, I'm not going to be destitute? Like, holy shit, this might actually work out. It was Eastbound and Down, wasn't it? I remember I was, <laughs> I moved to New York when I was 29. Like I got, I just broke up with this, well, someone I was married to. Uh, we were together for 10 years and I was like, I gotta, I gotta leave Akron now. I'm going to go to New York. My brother was moving to New York. And I was, you know, I was stressed out. This is like right before our record brothers came out. And I was living in an apartment. It was like $3,000 a month. I was like, this is like un- was probably New York size dude. Unsust- yeah. unsustainable, unsustainable. Oh God. <laughs> and, uh, and our record came out and it was like a hit. And I was like, oh, okay, wait, maybe this is work out. I was like, but then still, I was like, I still got to get the fuck out of New York because this is, it's like literally like burning cash. <laughs> but I remember um, for some reason, Kid Rock was at uh, was was at the bar I was hanging out with with some buddies. And uh, I was like, hey, when did you like really feel successful? He's like, oh, when I had $25 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I'll take a, lot, kid, a tenth huh? of that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I mean, I always, as long as I didn't have to do something I didn't want to do, I always felt successful. And that's the, that's the time when Dan and I got into trouble. It was like, we we had, 
we burned out because we started agreeing to do stuff we didn't want to do, mm-hmm. you know? And at if, if one point, like, it's like, you know, this is technically promoting our band and this is enjoyable, you know? But imagine if instead of doing this, we were spending all day in, like, Universal Studios setting up, waiting around to go perform on, like, the Spike TV video game awards, which, you know, no one's going to fucking watch. No <laughs> one's going to care. It's not going to make a difference. And, like, that's your day. Yep. And that's your day, like, you know, maybe you do that equivalent of that like a hundred times in a year. Like, you're going to get burned out yep. quick, you know? So it's like Dan and I have decided to uh, actively only do the things that interest us, you know? So awesome. it's I like... I feel like that's been your MO your guys' entire career, though. You've always it, it has, zigged when everyone else is zagging. It has been, but... Um, there's definitely been times when we've been pressured to go, like, you know, we, like there was this time where we toured Europe three times in one year. Whoa. Which is crazy. We, and it, it burned us out, you know, and we were just getting pressured by people to go back, go back. And it's not like the European tour isn't fun, but, you know, you just said that you were traveling a lot in the last couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, and that's like not me. Yeah. So the, it was just such a change that it's it's overwhelming, you know? So in, uh, in early 2012, January 2012, we were we got our final like itinerary for the year. It wasn't even final. It just went through like uh, November. And um, it was like, here's, here's what you're going to do. Here's your tour. And it was like, you're touring like half of January, all of February, half of March, all of April, half of May, half of Ju- June, all of July, all of August, half of September, all of October. It was just like, That's I was home year. for like yeah, six. It's a whole yeah. year. It's a whole year gone. And I looked at that and I was like, holy shit, how am I going to get through get through that? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like, you know, the fact that we were getting paid money made made mm-hmm. it easier was the only reason why someone would do that. Right. Because it was like, I was like, I'm not going to see my friends. I'm not going to see my family. I'm not going to be able to progress like personally in any way other than play these for shows. Sure. And so we did that like three different times, and that, and that after like the in early 2015, I broke my shoulder, and um, on like the couple of days after New Year's, and we ended up having to cancel like a European tour and an Australian tour, and it was the first time that we just stopped doing anything for for five or six years, and uh, we both we just. We got through the shows that we had booked that I could still perform at, and we didn't we didn't book anything for two two or three years. We just that time when we just had to stop was when we first were like, oh, we can just stop, yeah, we can take a break. And so then when we came back into playing shows and stuff a couple years later, it was just it's always been like testing the water so we don't get down that rabbit hole because once you open up the floodgates, it's hard to mm-hmm. to slow it down. That's a good. It's like those essentially are good problems to have, but the thing is, it's like you know you see musicians all the time dying young or you know just taylor hawkins it's just like right it's 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 a a grind it's a grind and it's like really mentally like can be super taxing and i've never really even toured like with kids like now that i have kids i i toured a little bit when my son was like one but it's different when your kid's one than three and a half right right what do they think about coming seeing you on stage and he hasn't seen me perform since he was really little and it, he was still like, Google Gaga. <laughs> but <laughs> that, now that would it, be a weird feeling as a dad, I'm sure, right? I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I would be worried about him freaking out. But then maybe he'd just be like, watch me play, and he'd probably be like, Dad, 
Dude, drumsticks have vitamin C. <laughs> That's the kind of shit he likes to ask me now. Just, Dude, just what, has random, yeah. what has vitamin C in yeah. it? <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Is he watching too much of the news? He's like, <laughs> is that what we're supposed to be no, doing? No, I don't, I don't watch the news at my house anymore. I try to stop doing that. But Smart man. Smart man. I, uh, so so yeah. when is he going to get to see you for the first time that he can grasp I'll take him to like, we're, uh, Probably the Vegas show. We're doing like his first show. He'll be out there. That's awesome. Um, it's a good place to break him in. Yeah, my wife's like, my wife's like really you know uh, against like sugar and treats and I'm and I'm like the opposite because I, I just like really believe in bribing. Yep. I just yeah, like I, 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 I try to t- I try to tell her I was like if it weren't for that type of incentive like I wouldn't ever do anything. <laughs> like it, do you have the to best positive reinforcement? Yeah. I was like, so I was like he he started to get like noticing soda pop at the store and he's like you know. He got, and he's noticed that I have like a, a lot of like beer at the house. <laughs> and so he's like, he found out there's this thing called root beer. And he's like, uh, can I have some root beer? And I was like, yeah. He's like, when can, when can I have plain old beer? <laughs> <laughs> About 19, 20 years, kid. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. That's I gave him some root beer. And he's now it's like, dude, I was, I was so right. But then 20 minutes after he had it, like, I was so wrong. And he wanted more. No, he just turned into a complete belt. Yeah, yeah. When he shut up. Do you uh, ever at the house, do you and, because obviously married to Michelle Branch. Yeah. Do you guys ever, like, sit around and compare album sales? Do you ever just, like, have, like, a a competition and be like, no, 2 million, but, I mean, mean, 10 million, like. Her career is much different than mine because she, she, you know, was, like, discovered at 16, uh, just based on this demo that she made and got whisked off to LA and her story's fascinating. And within, you know, within a couple of years, it sold millions of albums and there wasn't much guidance there for her about any of that stuff. Of course. You know? I mean, it was just a much different thing. Um, that hopeless romantic record is unbelievable. Yes, by the it way. is. Thanks, it thanks, is. Thanks. It is. I was going to ask. It never even got promoted. It never even got promoted. It came out and like, literally like it got like, the publicist that they were was like, you guys got to go on Good Morning America to promote it. I was like, it's like, that's all just a bunch of pill heads that like watch that <laughs> shit. Like who watches Good Morning America? Like why would you watch Good Morning America? Unless you're like, literally like your kid's like, you're feeding your kid, you're depressed. Like what the fuck? Who watches? Like that's very low. That's who we're aiming for. It's that's- like, it's very low IQ TV. Like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> well, like, high IQ obviously is on yeah. the guest list. And with well, what's they, they, Yeah, people are interested talking. in, people are interested in, some, they want to, you know, that's the thing about podcasts. It's like, that's why I said I got into it in 2020 because you couldn't hang out with any friends really. Yeah. And so I was Everything like, was oh, that's the, the closest I could feel like hanging out with some of my dumbass friends. What do you listen to podcast wise? Like, what are you into? Um, I have a little list, but I mean, I listen to, I'll go through it, but I listen to a lot of history podcasts, but, nice. the, but they can get so irritating, so boring. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I listen to Rogan and I like Lex Fridman a lot. Listen to you guys. Uh, <laughs> How is Rogan in real life? <laughs> Rogan's cool. Yeah, yeah. I've heard nothing but. I he mean, books that whole thing himself. Oh, That's 100%. Yeah. Text, it, text him and yeah. I love that. Well, that was early on. Like, I feel like that was before Rogan was huge, but you guys really hadn't like dove into the podcast world. Like, that was just a, like a spur of the moment thing. He hit you up, and you were like, "Yeah, all right, I'll, we'll come through." Something like that. Yeah, <laughs> he flew you guys out, right? Because it doesn't he do that with all his guests. No, we we fly ourselves out. You did, yeah. Then, um, so Rogan is. What do you take of all that right now? 
Oh, the whole can- yeah. canceling? Oh, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. We're all on the same boat then. Yeah, I think everybody is. I mean, some people who well, don't. Well, everybody with the brain. Well, yeah. some people who don't listen to it were like, you know, he's anti this, anti that. I was like, no, I, listen. I was like, no, he's just like, it's like, you know what it is? Rogan, I, I think it's like listening to it, it's like hanging out with um, your friend's older brother. Yep. You know, like, <laughs> 100%. That's who's like, a good way wait, wait, your brother like, is into UFOs and like, Boxing and smokes weed, like this is cool, and he's nice, and he talks to us. <laughs> yeah. He's not gonna beat our ass or something. You know? Well, it must be nice to like do an interview. Actually, with actually, everything that I kind of got into as a kid came from my friend's older brothers. Usually, yeah, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. They, my my friend Steve's older brothers were like into electric guitar and the Clash and Dr. Dre, and my friend Gabe's older brother was like this real centric dude who's into like conspiracy theories. And, <laughs> like he was talking, you know, he's like. You guys are a bunch of sheeple. He said that to us when we were like in third grade. This oh my like god! He, he might be credited with inventing that word. He wasn't because was he showed ago. us the video where there's uh, there this conspiracy section at the at the at the at the video store near our house, and we would go and just watch these like they live near faces of death. It was also this like you know. Oh my like, god. You know, videos about the tall whites. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've been on a real big conspiracy theory kick on this podcast, dude. Do you wow. have any that like you firmly? I don't know if you believe in or something you're into, like, like the moon landing or something. We were talking about this. Like, I don't know. believe in Australia. I don't think Australia's real. Place. I've been there. It's definitely real. No, you have. You were in He's southern a flat Chile earther too. Southern Chile. <laughs> I've been there too. That's right. You've been to the same place. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, so Australia's not real. But what do you believe in? Well, I like that. I like. Okay, there's a good the good conspiracy theory right now for me is that Alex Jones is actually Bill Hicks. <laughs> Wait, Ooh, I've not heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> who's Bill Hicks? What am I missing? Bill Hicks, he's a comedian, you know who who. You know, oh yeah, he yeah, died. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, died yeah, of yeah, pancreatic yeah. cancer yeah. in like 1993. Whoa, or four or something. And then, but they're both from Texas. They're both have the same political agenda. They talk, <laughs> they talk similarly. <laughs> they look similar. <laughs> All right, Dante's going deep down a rabbit hole. No, I'm out just thinking, like, does the timeline match up? Because Alex Jones kind of came on the scene. It, looks, it does. There's videos about it. You know, the, <laughs> is Tupac dead? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the faking your death thing is it's a, intense, a lot of people it's after intense. But then again, I guess if you were really famous, it would probably be. I think that'd be sweet could, to it fake could, your death. It could be, yeah, very taxing. Uh, what was I going to say? Conspiracy theories. Well, there's plenty that are worthwhile. Yeah. But the one, the, I mean, the, the crazy thing to me about the Rogan shit is just that he's not like touting some crazy political agenda. He might say some stuff that most, some people disagree with or whatever, but it's like the act of trying to like silence him or cancel him and then finding all these videos of him which you know some things that you can't justify any reason why he was doing shit but say like everybody fuck fucks up you know what i mean but uh when you see like the the numbers behind like his podcast how many people watch it and like and you see who's criticizing him and it's like you know like cnn or whatever and it's all it's all you know pharmaceutical ads and shit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And like, wait right? a second. And also then wasn't one of the guys who was just like spouting because I, I used to watch cnn like an addict because my dad's a journalist mm-hmm. i would watch cnn like a fucking addict and when you're touring overseas like cnn world is the only yep. english channel you can watch most places and they have that 15 minute psycho loop where they add like 10 seconds to it every 15 minutes and you're like wait something news happened ha- <laughs> but dude watching cnn i used to have it on and like you know, I, I really first, like, during the flight 370 shit, that's when I was like, wait a second. For fucking seven months, 
I've been watching the news. All they've talked about is Flight 370. Nothing has changed. The flight's still gone. No one knows anything. They won't stop talking about it. There's all this other shit happening. What the fuck is going on? That was a weird one. It was very weird. And it's no different than the Trump thing. It was like, Trump's going to jail. It's imminent. He's going to files. He's, the dossier is there. It's coming up, blah, blah. Yeah, and I'm every like, day. But I was just like, you know, and I'm definitely not a Trump supporter, you right. know what I mean, at all. And and as, But I was like, watch this. Like, what the fuck are they fucking talking about? <laughs> and I talked to my dad. And my dad's like, they're, they're going to be arresting Trump soon. They're coming for him. They have this. They're, and I was like, what the fuck? Who are we talking about? Like, Dude, seriously. Then why like, didn't it happen? When the what, what was the which which Cuomo was on CNN and which Cuomo was the uh, Andrew, yeah, Andrew. Chris, Chris was on CNN. Yeah, yeah Chris, Chris was on watching CNN. Chris sit there and lecture about shit constantly, and then find out that like, like, you know, he was like, you know, not really in quarantine and whatever the fuck else was going. Remember on. when he was lifting imagine or fake weights? Do you remember that? Which one had a mistress that they were seeing the whole time that they were Andrew. supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all scum. They're both dude. Fuck, scumbags. I can't get down with any of that shit. That's why I just turned it off. It's like you know what? Like that's the way to do it. I yeah. talk about this regularly. Like yeah. <clears throat> when I mean, I'm sure Barstool Sports will come to an end one day for me, whether it's. Tomorrow or twenty years down the road. Dave told me this this morning, and, and I have. I would be. I no. I, I would have Twitter, but like. I have totally new respect for you, but and no. Tell him what you told me. What your what your life goal is? To do nothing. No, you said. <laughs> you said you wanna you wanna cash out in a few years, not some crazy amount of money. Yeah, just go. enough to like get a place out in Scottsdale, Arizona, be a snowbird, have my Chicago residence, and like. Not be start so a new like start a new alias, new life, and just you'll disappear. Henry Hill it. You'll just he go wants out to there. disappear. But yeah, basically Henry Hill it. I'll I'll be why Scottsdale. I just love the heat. Yeah. I, I, I Chicago. I can't do winters anymore. You could speed up the process if you just picked like somewhere in Mexico for that. I like Chicago though. I like that quick flight. I'm, I, this is my first time ever in Nashville, okay. and we haven't even done anything yet. We got in this morning, and I could see myself very quickly. Falling yeah, so we've got city. a few hours after this, and then we're going to tour the Gibson warehouse, okay, which cool. is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you recommend, Mark? Mark uh, from Gibson. He's from yeah. Akron. That's our boy. He's yeah. the best. Agnesi's been on the podcast a few times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best. Yeah, he's great. So before we do that, we're gonna bounce around and show Dave. What would I recommend here? Yeah, to do. I get to ask that all the time. I mean, it's Nashville's a place where it's great, a great place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think you know, there's tons of music always. Mm-hmm. There's tons of horrible music though. Too. Facts, <laughs> big time uh, facts. I'm sure everybody comes. Here I think going to Roberts yeah. is essential. You know, Roberts Western World. Roberts is essential. I think there's there's some really good restaurants. Uh, sounds game would be good, but you mm-hmm. know, uh, Vandy baseball game. Vandy baseball game. I spent a lot of time in Charleston, South Carolina. I've never been. I've and driven I, through and, it. And I've never it, actually been. And so I'm so obsessed with Charleston that I, my mind's always just thinking about there. I would be there now if I could. Yeah. You're picking yeah. like two major bachelorette cities. Like that's. Yeah. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. I always think like, why, why, why Nashville and Charleston? Like I two have spots. No idea. Well, I think it's because like they're the, the, the husband, the groom was like, not wanting them to go to Vegas. Oh, I guess that probably makes sense. is what it is. I'll go to Nashville or something. Go somewhere. Yeah. I think there's, there's a, less. I think there's a quaintness to Nashville, like Charleston. Also, you have been down here pretty good amount of time, right? You got down here before that whole yeah boom. Nashville boom. Kinda. I've been down here for twelve years. Um, I loved it when I first moved here. Like I it, bet it was pretty desolate in a way. 
like downtown. You could go downtown on a Friday night. It was like, you know, not like that anymore. Yeah, no. not like that. Yeah, it was no. like you know, you go to there's a there's a honky tonk called the the wheel that was like just serve you drinks in a plastic cup. No one was That's ever in there, right and it was there. like this is cool. This felt authentic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can't. I haven't been downtown in probably four or five, six years. Uh, yeah. So I don't really go down there. And then so then the, there are other places to go, like East Nashville, where we are. Yep. This is a this is a cool spot, but it's a drag for me to get here. So I ended up like when I do go out or something, I go to a friend's house usually or something. Yeah, just kick it. I got a I got a choice for you. Princes or Hattie Bees. Mm. This is a decision we're making after this. That's yeah, what we're gonna go right. eat. So. so you're you're picking yeah. our lunch spot for us. I was told Hattie Bees. The answer is Hattie B's. Mm. Um, partially, the answer is Prince's partially. Ooh. But, but I think for flavor, it's the same. Okay. For If you want the experience of going to the the real deal, you have to go to Prince's. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking to like not kill two hours, you go to Hattie B's. Right. Convenience. Right. We're just going to have to do both. Yeah, I think that's no. probably Chase what we're gonna it. have to. Well, the place is is Hattie right. B's like the Portillo's version, like it's kind of corporate, and Prince's is the like mom and pop. Bolton's like that. Is right here, right Bolton's is good. It's right there. Yeah, let's go there. That's the OG. That's like the hipster. We're gonna spot. have to have like three chicken sandwiches. We're, yeah, today. we're going to Bolton's then. I like that. I've never. I I've, I've I've religiously been a Hattie B's guy. I like Prince's, but we should do Bolton's. Bolton's. Uh, uh, Sean Brock, the uh, the chef. Yeah, he lives here now. He has a burger spot called Joyland. I'd recommend that. Okay. Cool. The crust burger, he calls it. You're gonna die before. Yeah, we these are these yeah. are some good recommendations. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to think. The, my my favorite spot. I don't blow it up, but it is Dino's on the east. Uh, Best hell burger. yeah, Dino's Best the shit. Burger. Yeah. yeah, I walked by there this morning. But it's like that's the thing. It's like it's like, you know the place can comfortably hold about 150 people, and like yeah. every time I've been in there, and there's like a line. I'm just like. Best burger. Okay, they shout your order over on a mic. Oh, so it's one of oh, it's, like it's an old school diner. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I used to go there when it was still run by Dino, who is this like pretty surly dude, and like <laughs> he had the flat top grill, and like he's just kind of a dickhead. And, um, <laughs> Did you what like I him, want though? my surly? What? Did you like him though? Oh, I mean, it just felt like you know he was like he was the uh, he was the burger Nazi like Seinfeld. No, I just was like <laughs> just doesn't seem very happy, but. <laughs> He had this like yeah he had a secret sauce. They put the uh, the burgers on. I was like, what is it? Worcestershire? He's like, motherfucker. <laughs> but clearly, it's what it is. It's like it's not never left. I mean, that's not black. even Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. I'd said that right, right? Worcestershire. Yeah. Worcestershire. That was close enough. Yeah, that's like very very commonly used to like soak in burgers. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. His secret yeah. sauce. But that, also, there's this place in Akron. I'm like a kind of burger, you know. Akron's like a burger place. He's the Cleveland guy. I, so I didn't want a hot dog town. No, no. I, I'm not a Cleveland guy. Well, I, I, I have places you. there. But I wanted to also throw out another question for you. So Akron is known, in my opinion, for three things. Okay. LeBron James. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Black Keys. Steve Stone. And Swenson's. Yeah. How would you rank those three? Ooh. Um, yeah, well, I mean... I think Swenson's is number one. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. is Swenson's? Yeah, Dude, it is yeah. the best. It's it's an old school burger di- drive-in place. Sweet. They have 
an endless supply of kids, high school kids, that sprint to your car the minute you park and take your order and sprint back to the restaurant. You get fired if you don't run to the car. (laughs) They're running like... Like suicides they're, like they're on school. fire <laughs> to your car and back. It's, cra- it's like crazy. It's snipers watching them. Like if you're yeah. not going fast enough, you're getting picked. And the burgers are fire, dude. Akron has so many crazy burger spots. It's not it's not normal. But growing up there, I was just like you take take it for granted. You know what I mean? But there's a place called Swenson's, right? And it's like you drive in. It's been there since like 1934. Uh, and of course, there's this place in Connecticut called like. Steve's lunch or something. It claims to have invented the burger, right? And and I I, I call bullshit on this because if you order the burger, it's two pieces of white bread with a slice of tomato. And I'm like, where the fuck the are fuck you getting your tomato this, in 1903? <laughs> except you know you couldn't have the tomato except for fucking Jan- like in in Connecticut in August you in July you could have your you couldn't have that's not how you fucking you reported this shit. Well, what the, the fuck? It's it's bullshit. I we never heard this. Is, this yeah, is why it's I like right. Him it's gla- it's glaringly obvious. This is the kind of shit that I care about, dude. It's, dude, this it's tomato, is I care fresh about. tomato on the burger. <laughs> you guys are birds of a feather, dude. <laughs> I don't care about music and baseball and all that shit. Like, you know, why it, did they lie about the, the burger? burger? Comes from Akron, dude. Trust me on that. It actually comes from Canton, but the toppings on a burger. If you say I want it with everything, everything in Akron is it's onion, pickle, and mustard. All three things that you can get year round. Yep. Yeah. So that's it. That solves the riddle. I mean, that's the fucking thing. That's right the thinking man's breakdown right there. God damn! Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. So other conspiracy theory is, but the also that combo. Of, that combo is what you get anywhere you go in Akron. You say, "I want a burger with everything." It's that pickles. The other onions, weird thing about that sure. Steve's luncheon place—they like boil. They don't boil them, but they cook them in like cupcake trays. Ew. So the burgers <laughs> are in those little cupcake slots, and they bake them. They come out. It's not grilled like. Swenson's disgusting, but yeah, I've you, seen that before on like Instagram. So Swenson's one, who's two? Um, you or LeBron James? I guess we're gonna have to say LeBron, aren't we? Too modest, bro. I think Devo would be two for me. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. You didn't know Devo was from no. I yeah. did. That's... I would say Devo, Chrissy Hind. Chrissy Hines from Akron? Yeah. I didn't know that. You know, the modern golf balls from Akron, too. I mean, how many dimples? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> 380. It's some weird number, but everyone, every golf ball has the exact same amount. It's like 143 or some. Did you do a number. Chrissy Hines record? Dan did. Dan did. Yeah. What? The, man. You guys have done some incredible shit production wise. Yeah. And we, having you two on the same records, like in a room. Does it ever clash? Like, do you guys, production style-wise, I feel like I can pick you two apart. Like, having two producers in the same band, does it get frustrating at times? No. We do have different styles, but when we when we work together, it's all, it, it, it works well. It works well. It, Dan likes to Dan likes to cut records with full bands, yep. and he likes it. He's definitely got his, his own thing dialed in. And we've, because we've, it's just the two of us, kind of learned to do it a little differently. Yeah. You know, but like, I feel like the song Wild Child off the new record is, is a good example of the two of us working very well together. Mm. Doing both the, the things. But, you know, I love, we learn to make records together. So yeah. I love making music with him. And, you know, he's got this label, Easy Eye. Uh, Easy Eye. And, um, you know, he's putting out tons of cool records. And I think if you take the amount of records that we've made together, the records he's made, 
solo, his Easy Eye stuff, the stuff I've produced. Like I counted them up a couple months ago, and it was like sixty-five albums or something. Jesus Christ! Yeah, it's a lot of fucking music. You guys been busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Um, so I was flying. I don't even. I don't even know where I was flying to. Um, which sounds kind of cool to say to a couple torn musicians, but. Um, I watched the Leonard or not Leonard Skinner, the ZZ Top documentary that's on Netflix. Yeah, now. it's a couple years old, like 2019 or 2020. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Billy Gibbons. Yeah, how is he? I mean, he's, he's God of Rock. He's dope. Yeah, he's coolest motherfucker alive. He's the coolest. What were those sessions like? He just came in for an hour for for this record. He stopped in to dance studio. Was that in Nashville? Yeah, yeah. This was like uh, this was last summer. About about this, mm-hmm. it was in June of last year. He was in town for something. He stopped in, and we just uh, jammed, yeah. you know. And we ended up with like three or four things that could be songs, but the one that made the record, the song that, like the whole structure, we just improvised, and, and then Dan put bass on it. I put some percussion on it. Our friend Sam added some percussion, and then it was just done. I mean, the way we make music usually goes pretty fast, but we'd been in the studio with. Um, with Billy before, but Rick Rubin asked us to go in the studio. Just name dropping Rick yeah, Rubin. <laughs> nah, <laughs> it's a Nashville moment. Rick Rubin asked us to come to his studio in 2010. This is right before Brothers came out. We were, we were out there working with RZA. Was this Black Rock? This is after we did Black Rock. We were we did a whole nother record with RZA. Mm-hmm. And it never got finished because we were burning the candle too. Wait much. a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. wait Does this wait. exist? It exists, but it's not that good. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't RZA an Ohio guy, kind of? RZA spent a lot of time in Ohio. His mom lives in Steubenville, I think. Yeah, he owned a, like a Boy Scout camp down there that he had privately like. He filmed. shouts out Steubenville randomly. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, he things. mentioned it. He's a, he's such an interesting guy. He was like, yeah, I, he's like, I have a. I used to own a Boy Scout camp. And <laughs> I lived it. We used to film horror horror films down there. Like, <laughs> what? Wait, so how did this session go? What, like, well, we done a couple songs on our. We made this record called Black Rock, which is like Dan and I made the music, and we would have uh, rappers come in, and Dame Dash helped us kind of get the rappers in the studio, and we made a couple songs. Some of that we know we did some stuff with uh, Raekwon and. Uh, Most Def, Most Jim De- Jones, Most Def, Jim, Jim Jones, uh, and uh, RZA. You know, with Dan, I obsessed with Wu Tang growing up and still. And so he came in, and we wrote with with, with RZA. We made the songs together, and um, we wanted to do more. So we like we went to L.A. in February of 2010, and we did some stuff with Billy. We went into the studio with and just jammed. But it was we were you know working all night with RZA going into the studio in Malibu. We were just like basically mm-hmm. driving all the time, <laughs> um, and not sleeping. Nothing came from the stuff with with Billy. Uh, but I remember we were in there and there's Rick was doing this thing where he's like laying. He lays down like on a couch and and just like like okay, jazz. <laughs> <laughs> now think jazz and um. That wasn't really effective for us, but I was like, but I was like, but at the time I was like, I was like, you know, Billy, I was like, I really like can't stop listening to this uh, uh, train kept a rolling, like the original version of it. And he's like, oh, yeah, um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Who did the Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Burnett? Oh, and he's like, oh, yeah. And he started fucking ripping the fucking tr- train kept a rolling. He's like, yeah, you know, you used to play the two. 
octave strings at the same time the e low e high e and i was like dude this is like hearing him play i was like fucking hell um and i feel like in a way i feel like lonely boy mentally kind of stemmed from like that riff i was oh, just that, wow. that whole album it's just like because like remember like when we went back in the studio dan and i was like dude that like there's something there like dan started riffing on and then i had him plug in this octave pedal and I just stepped on it at the last, or I pushed my hand on it in the last note and it went, oh. and I'm like, that's the rip. That's the thing. I, that's uh, one of the things I love about your sound is the lo fi, I don't know, quality. What comes from RZA, really? That's the, the sonic thing was like growing up listening to the, we, I mean, I listened to the music that RZA sampled because my dad was like mm. way into soul music. Really? He was obsessed with stacks. And my dad saw Otis Redding play in, in Akron with this guy, uh, Howard Tate opening, and I got way into all those records. And so when I first heard like Wu-Tang Clan, I was like, oh yeah, I recognize quite a bit of the samples. You know what I mean? Not all of them, but quite a bit. And I think that's, I see like that's where it's coming from. And then I got into like indie rock, like Pavement and stuff like that. John Spencer, Blues Explosion, Beck, Modest Mouse. And I was like, oh yeah, there's Sonic, the Sonics that I like are this kind of crunchy, but the cool thing about the RZA stuff is like kind of crunchy, but big as fuck too. It took us a long time to figure out how to do that. You know, I mean, if you listen to our first couple records, it's just, it's just crunchy. Mm. And it wasn't until, I guess, working with Danger Mouse, learning how to get it to be a little bit more big. Uh, but Chad Blake, this guy we used to mix, he's kind of responsible for a lot of that too. Because like that's the kind of thing that I found like, we started getting better at making music when we started letting people help us. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, the hardest thing to do is like to let people in. And we tried early on, like early on, we made this record, our, our the big come up. We made it ourselves. We didn't know what we were doing. We made it in this house that I lived in, you know, in the, the real rough part of Akron. It was like a shithole house in the basement, right? We made it in the basement, but we would like, I had this little digital recorder. We would take it around to different rooms, plug it into my roommate's stereos to try to mix it, <laughs> trying to figure out how things actually sounded. It was hard to figure out what, you know. And anyway, it, it sounds interesting. It sounds cool. And soon after that, we started getting some people sniffing around, like wanting to help us. And this one guy flew us to Berkeley, California, to go record on his like vintage knee. He was going <laughs> to produce us and. Honestly, I don't. I still don't know how the recordings sounded. I have them, but I haven't listened to them anytime recently. But I was like, while we were making it, recording for two days with this guy, I was like, "This is amazing! It sounds amazing!" And we put it. In, we landed back in Cleveland and put the CDR in uh, the car, and our girlfriends were with us, and they're like, "This sounds like shit." <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, "You guys, this doesn't you blah blah." And I got, we got really self-conscious and really weird. And we we're like, and it was weird because we're 22 years old. Yeah. So like, I think your ego kind of gets sparked and all this other shit and you get really insecure. And I've seen it and now since I've been producing records for, you know, 20 years or, you know, a lot since then, I've seen it all the time. I can recognize it like that in a band, like, yeah. ah, this band, they've got to get turned out essentially. Like they have to get out of their shell or maybe they're not ready for it, mm-hmm. but you can only do so much. And ultimately like, we just made stuff on our own until the point where we felt like we couldn't progress it anymore hmm. without help. And at that moment, like Danger Mouse had kind of entered the scene. He 
approached us and basically, you know, put us through production school, songwriting school. Uh, he taught us he taught us a lot. That's awesome. That was for Attack, Attack and release. release, which is a record that started. We were writing this record. It was going to be um, like a a record that for Ike Turner. We were going to play the music. He was going to sing it. He's going to play guitar, some guitar. But and we he, have some final versions of. That. He died, right? He died, but before he he died in December of two thousand and seven. But it was like March or April of two thousand seven. We were like been working on the same for like three months. I was like, I called Brian Danger Mouse. I was like, dude, can we? Can you just produce our record? We use these songs. He understood that we needed to get going. We needed to make money and work and shit. So, yeah, he came to Cleveland. He came to Painesville, Ohio, to this cool old studio. It was uh, built by the guy that invented uh, this house. Was built by the guy that invented baby formula. That's his summer retreat. Where's he at now? <laughs> he died a long time ago. <laughs> but this house was bought by this guy, Paul Haman, and his father Ken. They like had this cool recording studio in Cleveland, and they they had this place out there that they recorded like all these crazy punk records that and stuff. And we worked there, and um, and then it was like the next record. Uh, brothers, we kind of produced it ourselves. We had a, a friend come engineer it. Danger Mouse did one song, but sonically, it never really all come together until we sent it to this guy Chad Blake to mix it. He's pretty notorious mixing engineer, producer in his own right. He's he's worked on music for a long time. I think like getting his perspective, finding the person that you can let be creative on your own work is just always gonna. It's so much changing. Yeah, it's life changing, but it's hard to find the right people. It's hard to give them enough freedom. With Chad, it was like I think we got to a point where like just I had heard some of his mixes where they were really kind of fucked up sounding, and my instructions to Chad were basically like, do whatever you want and make it sound as fucked up as you want it to be. And so he sent back Howlin' for you, and we had a mix of this song before, and it just was like. Dude, it felt I love like it. Isley Brothers like song. I love it because he said it back. It sounded like fucking like I was like, oh, it felt like you know, three dimensional. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it, it's that old analog sound which stands out so much more today because everything is so. I was listening to like, a lot of like I was listening that, like yeah. you know the you know a clear the beat comes from like rock and roll part two essentially. Yes, but like. The, this is like also like Brian Eno, like uh, Needle in the Camel's Eye. Like there's like something warm and crazy sonically about that stuff. But I've wanted to be wanted it to be like bigger. Mm. You know what I mean? And Chad was like able to get that sub bass happening and the crunch and everything. It was crazy. He was, you know. Um, but yeah, that was game changing. I mean, so many records. I so I ran the music at Wrigley yeah. for since they installed the scoreboards there. They hired a DJ, and I got to I got to be the guy. And I mean, so many of your guys' joints are just such great stadium anthems. So we and, need more of that. We need that's what that's what when we wrote, when we made Howlin' for You, it was like straight up. That was like kind of the thought. You know, like oh, this would be this would be cool if they have a song played at a baseball game or something. Because um, we we had we, previous to that we had found out that <laughs> uh, 
the guys that ran our management company that we used to be with, like they're huge baseball fans, huge White Sox fans, and they, disgusting. And they, uh, they're like, oh yeah, here's a list of uh, every Q Prime artist that has a. That, here's the major league baseball players that are using our artists for walkout music. And I was like, oh shit, we had some like somebody was using like Thick Freak this one year. Fuck yeah. What would what would your walkout music be if you were? I I played baseball in college. You want to know what it was? Where'd you play? North Central College, D3. Okay. So we played like Mount Union and I was Outer Bean out there, Northeast yeah. Ohio. Yeah. Played those schools. Um, mine was uh, Like a Pimp Remix by David Banner. <laughs> it was actually sweet. <laughs> Return of the Mac. It's a great sample. Return of the Mac would be mine. I have no reason why. I still guess where I would go. Howling for You by the Black Did you Kings. play baseball? Not like in high school? I mean, like in, in Little League. What yeah, was your yeah. walkout music, be? What would mine be? I'd probably go for something like that would just be more of a psychological attack. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Return of the Mac would fuck like, you up. I would come out like dead straight face with the Macarena playing. <laughs> walk slow. Well, he walk. used to fuck with Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, yeah. Play like what, like Barbie Girl and shit. We did some, we did some weird stuff now and then with him. Oh yeah, the, the Barbie Girl. Yeah, that that just put walk out very right, slow. Right. I would go with Jumpstart My Heart. Yeah, Kickstart My Heart. Kickstart My Heart by the Crew. Uh I got the classic. It's great opening riff, fast. It's super fast. Yeah, yeah. It, it gets you ready to fucking. It's like double yeah. time. You know I'm a Philly dickhead, so I'm probably gonna come out the dreams and nightmares by Meek Mill. Like you know that's probably what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I sang that song at my wedding. That's embarrassing. Yeah, was that is embarrassing. Terribly embarrassing. There's embarrassing. video of it too. It's really bad. Do you, that's actually if you and your wife are like driving down the street and like uh, you know one of her songs or one of your songs come on, come on and you're going to get burgers, is it like instant turn off the radio? Or turn the station? Great question. That is a or great is question. it like, oh, hey, let's listen no, to ourselves, not, even though I, I was we at, hear ourselves every day? I was, I was, let's hear both versions, too. I was at the grocery store um, a couple of days ago with my son, and uh, one of Michelle's songs came on. And I was like, oh. And I know he never had heard it, because mm-hmm. she doesn't play him any of her music. And I was like, I was like, do you recognize who this is? And he's like, no. I was like, this is mom, Mommy. Like, mommy singing? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, he looks, he knows I play music, but yeah, Michelle's kind of yeah. quiet about it. She sings to him all the time, but she, I don't think he knows. Um, but yeah, for me, if I hear my music on the radio, I turn, I turn it up. Did turn you? it up? Oh yeah. Oh, that's such a baller move. Well, not like if the windows, I put the windows up and turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah you don't want to be I that guy this. who gets pulled up next to. Him. Hell no. That's Actually, a Johnny drama move. That's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, 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 I'm listening to hear how it sounds on the radio. Mm. It does sound different. It does, usually. Um, I, I mentioned it very, very briefly earlier, but you spawned it down. Like, Kenny Powers is a hero to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we actually just interviewed Craig Robinson. Did you get to yuck it up with any of those guys, or are they just like, hey, can we play your music in our show? And uh, we, we, we got to meet Danny years ago. Uh, I actually just had dinner with him and his family a couple months ago. Amazing. He lives in Charleston. Uh, yeah, he's hilarious. He's a great guy. Uh, and That's dude, a genius. Crazy, yeah, I get. Yeah. I, I'm like, I was like, after dinner, I was like, I mean, I think like, I feel weird even like texting him because I'm like, it's like a fanboy. Uh, right, oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't think he maybe doesn't realize like how much I'm fanboying out. But I, I started getting way into golf a couple of years ago, and um, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, and. Uh, you know, like start figuring out like how to hit the driver is like, you know, the most frustrating, you know, club. And then I discovered like there's this whole like long driving like league. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like that, that 
would be a very good Danny McBride vehicle. Oh. Uh, For a movie, yeah. The long drivers, because this dude, it's like the most pointless thing you could do sports wise is just be able to hit a ball like 475 yards. That's a Kenny Powers activity. And like not, yeah. and like just suck the rest of the <laughs> golf. Yeah. Like you could, you can't chip, you can't do. Can't putt, but and some characters are in there. Oh my oh, god, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. characters, dude. It's like, dude, I kind of think he might need to consider it. That's oh a great executive producer credits. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We might have to edit that out so someone doesn't steal yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and I think it's super it's free game. I had a really good idea. Oh man, god damn, give yeah. us all your ideas. <laughs> right down, dude. What's the best idea you've ever had? Okay, I have an idea, and it's this is a real thing. I have a sock company. Uh, and it's called Dude, Your Team Socks. <laughs> and we haven't launched it yet, but it's launching in a couple weeks. But, yeah, I just was like, I want striped socks to kind of are similar colors to the teams I like. And so we just selected Pantones that are just slightly off from all the teams. <laughs> it was like, so it's like yellow and green. What team could that be? I don't know. St. Vincent, St. Mary, yeah. LeBron James, or any other team that's fucking yellow and green. So yeah, that's my that's my idea. My company, dude, your team socks. I love it. Yeah. This in. is really coming out, dude. It's real. Yeah. You're not wearing socks right now. Yeah, that's not very good marketing <laughs> for your new company. <laughs> I like how you I, dude. I, I, this is how you know I'm a dad because you know, oh, I used yeah. to only be like ro- pit jeans and boots, and I was like, Do you, you got the what? New Balances. I was like, okay. I was like Guillermo. Like, Monarchs. I was like repressed. I was like repressed. I was like a, a full full fledged dork, like just happy to dress like a dad. Because uh, I just don't fucking care anymore. I love oh, it. I love Kenny Carkeet is here in spirit. I know. That it's was too bad. Kenny's I do care. I do care. That's the thing is, no, I don't I, care. I just, it, yeah. don't, I just don't care enough about yeah. that. You, know? you got no one to impress anymore. Uh, I just like, I I think about the dude and Big Lebowski a lot. Mm. <laughs> uh, what's and I think about like the dude, the dude, not the dude. I yeah, yeah. I think about what that dude's choices are. And I like I like them. You want to get fucked up on white Russians after this? That that drink being your drink really is a powerful choice. It's a powerful choice. I Kinda, can't do them. I, I love them from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Yeah, that is a rule in my house. I love that. I love that. So follow up to Dave's question: What is one of the worst decisions? Yeah, you've that's made a good one. About work. Yeah, you, you don't, don't get too, yeah, you don't don't get get too personal. personal here, but yeah, work work decisions. I don't regret. Where you look back now and you laugh your ass off at it, but you're like, "Oh man, did I fuck up?" Uh, I don't really have one yet. Good. Uh, that is good. Yeah. I feel like you guys haven't made that record yet. That you're like, that's the outlier record. That's like they were going for something totally different. I feel like. Oh no. You guys have grown. That's like, a good thing about being in a band with someone that you've known since you were like nine years old. Is yep. that like, you know, what I mean, I remember. We call each other on our shit so much that like it keeps mm-hmm. you kind of it keeps you within orbit grounded. orbit of reality and honest. Right? You guys yeah. ever thrown hands? Fuck no, no, really? Not. I mean, you guys are basically brothers. I Dan, Dan definitely put, Dan got way, way into MMA or or for, or like UFC watching it for a minute, and I think he did put me in a submission move. I, <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah, was I, it was per request by me to see, and I was like, I tapped. Oh, you yeah. asked for it. I was like, what the fuck's that? <laughs> Triangle choke you. Did you guys yeah. ever have that wow, we made it moment where you, or where you were just in the moment, like, I can't believe we get paid to do this? Yeah. 
I mean, we de- I definitely remember like, and actually, one of them was in Chicago, like just play, like headlining Lollapalooza. It's a good enough. I was there. It was like my senior year of college, or I just I was in college. Was it two thousand five? When we headlined, it was two thousand and twelve. So we, but we, but we played there a lot before then. We played there a lot, and we played there the year, two years prior, a year prior. Uh, maybe it was two thousand ten. We played there with uh, the Strokes went on after us. But I still, think that's oh, wow. the one time. Oh, that was twenty ten. We're that so twenty ten, man. Yeah, twenty twelve. We headlined, and right before I was really nervous. You know, I mean, we're about to go on stage, and there's like seventy five thousand people mm-hmm. watching our stage, and I was like, "Fuck, you know." Um, and Ron Manuel was backstage. Dante's boy. Yeah, we were just and, all uh, just with him. And the dude, he came back. He's like, he's gonna announce this, and I shook his hand, and I was like, he's missing some fingers. His hand, <laughs> didn't, his hand didn't feel normal, and I was like, what's up? He's like, I think like, what? And I was just like so nervous. I was just like. What happened to your hand? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I cut some finger. I had an accident when I was a teenager, and I lost some fingers. And I was like, wow. And he's like, I was cutting. I was working at Arby's. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I cut him off in a meat slicer. And so, dude, the whole show, the only thing that kept me from freaking out on stage was this. Is like this. I kept thinking, like, hey, Ron Manuel ate it. Worked at Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and then and then that guy was like, and I was like, and he cut his fingers off at Arby's. <laughs> and then I went, and, I, and then I was like, you know, it's fucked up. At one point, people at Arby's cut meat because they definitely don't do that anymore. <laughs> Not even close. I was like, oh, that, you're in front of like 120,000 people, and you're there. Everybody's freaking out, and you're like, I'm thinking about the meat, the, 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 the meat supply chain for Arby's. Because the meat couldn't be cut there anymore. There's no, no, way. no, 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 no. That's all frozen, Dude, that's prepackaged awesome. shit. That's in. like a Larry David yeah, moment. You, right there. you yeah. lived the Kirby enthusiasm moment. Yeah, I lived it. Well, it's good to take your mind off of it. You know, there's certain things in life where you, it's good to take your mind off of the present. Just ask, you know, you know what I mean. One of the major three, <laughs> third biggest cities, mayor. Yeah. Well, he's just like you Why know, his hand fucked up. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like music. Music is one of those things where. It's a fine line for me. It's like you don't want to think about what you're doing too much, but you you don't want to realize that you're not thinking about what you're doing either. Right. right. So I think the that's the mind game is like, oh yeah, the mind game is like finding your thought for the night of what will keep you distracted. You know. And so. Can I ask you? That a qu- was a blessing. Yeah, the Arby's. Can that I ask you a question? Story. I've always wanted to ask you. I always thought to myself, if I ever got to meet the Black Keys, I'd love to ask this question. Was that performance at the MTV Video Music Awards with Aerosmith kind of weird? It wasn't with Aerosmith. It was with Johnny Depp. That's right. But Aerosmith was there. They they announced us. Yeah. I remember like watching that and like there was like a speech that went on before it where they like called you guys like future rock gods or something like that. I couldn't hear it. See, that's the thing about the on stage. Like you can't like and that's just coming through the monitors, right? You can't hear what anybody's saying. Yeah. We were on stage the other day. We were doing some an interview for like iHeartRadio or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like the guy was interviewing me with a microphone on stage. But it, this shit, I was like, I just, just like, <laughs> excuse me? I, I, it's like, I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. It was so uncomfortable. But yeah, I don't know. That was a weird thing. We, we, we performed at the MTV Movie Awards in 2012. That was that year where, like, basically, we had basically said, like, you know, you talk about embarrassing things. Have you done it? I mean, I think that we had basically said, we'll agree to do pretty much anything within reason. 
um, rather than say no. Uh, right. preemptively like if we haven't tried done it we'll try it so that's what we did like a lot of stuff that I don't regret doing but I'll probably never do it again you know what I mean but right. like uh, mm-hmm. what, I don't you know getting to play on stage at the MTV Movie Awards uh, that, that you know they wanted a celebrity to play with us so Johnny Depp come up and we're like yeah that's fine let's play with Johnny Depp was he cool very cool He's actually a decent guitar player. Yeah, I, I didn't. Even yeah, I just thought it was a trip because, like, yeah. you know, like it was like, you know, here I am, like at the time, uh, at the time on stage, I had this thing where it's like I'm only wearing blue button-down shirts because I can just have them for f- like forty bucks from J. Crew, and like I can roll the sleeves up and like fuck it, it's just kind of like my Jetsons look. Yeah, and I, uh. So I basically dressed as like I look. I look like a clerk at Kinko's, and these dudes were like fucking so, ju- dude. Like I was watching after the show, watching Johnny Depp, Steven Tyler, and Joe Perry all stand next to each other, dude, with like progressively more flair. Yeah, yeah, all <laughs> just like so more and more rings and scarves. It was like, dude, it was like sort of Joe Perry. Bracelets, Joe Perry yeah. had like you know just one ring on each finger, a one scarf. And then Steven Tyler had, you know, met, and then Johnny Depp was just like, <laughs> here's all there's my shit. Pedant Dana's wrapped around her wrist, like just ready to go. And then like, you looked in the mirror Geico. and you had all of it on too. You're like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> oh, what would, what if they would have been like, hey, you got to go. If if you're going out on stage with us, you got to dress like us. Like a pirate. Like, yeah, basically like a pirate. Yeah. Even though that's not you, would you have sucked it up and done it? Or would you have been like, fuck off? I would have, I wouldn't have been able to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember ever seeing this. I can't wait to pull this up. I know. I, can't, I haven't seen Colin talking about. Well, that's the thing. That's the sad thing about like our careers that we got to do all this stuff when it didn't matter anymore. It was pre. <laughs> it was, it was pre, no, but it was like, like pre-social media. But like, after like the MTV. Well, I mean, like what, Twitter was still there. Well, MTV. Yeah. No, I mean, MTV Movie Awards haven't mattered since like 1992, probably or something. You, you guys aren't I mean? performing this year, right? No, no, no. All right, cool. Then we can say whatever we want now. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I mean, I'm saying like that stuff when you were a kid, when I, when there was only like that was the shit. It was huge. It, yeah, it was huge. It was, huge. It was like it was like oh yeah, like. But now it's like you know being on Saturday Night Live was like dude that was like the end all be all. That's still pretty big though. It's big, but it doesn't compare to what it was. I dude, feel like, like dude, the, the viewership is like minuscule. It's minuscule compared to it. I know, but I feel like today it's more of an honor to be the musical guest than it is to be the host, the host yeah. because Really? Yeah, I think it's still a big platform I still for watch it every, I songs. still watch it every week. Still I still love the show. What do you um, think about them get like they're switching out cast and shit like that? It just made me feel old because the last time we were on it was like Pete Davidson's first year, Kyle Mooney's first yeah. year. You guys haven't been on since then? We haven't been on since 2014. Really? Yeah, I think it's because the night before we went on, like, Dan went out really late. Oh. <laughs> I was like, he's like, he definitely used all of his serotonin. He could not experience happiness that following <laughs> day. What, a, what is considered the coolest thing now? It's because like, his girlfriend's like, we never go out anymore. Oh, so we don't, right, we don't go out. And, I, and I, I did that, that night. I was like, you're an idiot. I think not to Dan, to his girlfriend, clearly. <laughs> I think like, you're an idiot. Like you pressure this guy to go out. Like you could go out 364 of these days, but you chose last night, the night before we go out on the biggest Saturday biggest night show. live. Yeah, yeah, she's an idiot. They're chicks. no longer together. So it's chicks, fine. oh, we chicks, man. Yeah, yeah. Chicks, what, what were you gonna say? Though I was gonna say like what like so the shit that we thought was cool when we were kids is no longer like that big of a deal. Like what do you consider like 
to be like, if I got to do this, that would be that fucking, like, that would be the coolest thing in the world. Mm. Like, it's tough. Like, I don't think that there is one singular nothing platform makes me happy. anymore. Yeah, nothing makes me happy anymore. Nothing makes me happy. No. I think for me, I think uh, if I was able to progress my golf game playing, like, Fuck yeah. a pro-am thing would be big for me. Like yeah. a What's your beach. handicap right now? Mm. It's, I keep fucking with my swing. Mm. So when I settle into it, it's like 12. Okay, that's, that's good. So you're good. Or, well, you're good. but, but that, that's playing from like shorter tees, like do you, blue tees. Hey, do you play Troubadour here? I haven't yet. But I would say that if I was playing like a typical thing, I'm, I'm still it's gonna struggling to break 90. I mean, I mean still, that's still that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for just being a fuck around golfer. That's like, Although, but, I, but I, but this is the thing is like, I've the, the challenge of that thing, and like, I, I feel like I'm going to because I, I, I have speed in my swing. It's just consistency, find it. And I, I, it's challenging. It's just challenging enough. Right. It's the kind of thing that, like, I get a big kick out of it. It's like, I don't know, it's weird for me because I finally you got, got a little goal to reach, you know? When I finally got into it, I was like, this is so fr- so hard, so frustrating. Yep. And then that was, what, I was like, this is really fucking hard. And then that was the whole appeal to me. I was like, this is like the ultimate fucking challenge. It's so mental. It's so fucking mental. And the crazy thing to, to know, I know certain golfers who like lie about their handicap to get it way high so they can go like sandbag their fucking That's exactly, thing. yeah. Uh, and I was like, that, so, so I was like, I'm not competitive like that. So my competitive nature is more like, it's perfect for me because it's more, you're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I do, like, I started reading the Ben Hogan book. My friend, Courtney, he's always like, you should read this. You should, like, figure out the guide to the better swing. And, of course, like, I can't digest the whole thing at once. So then I'm just, I, I went out golfing the other day, and my, I just played, like, absolute shit. <laughs> like, it was, like, the worst golf game I've had in, like, a year. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, that's it. This is the whole game. It's like, you're just trying to, in order to improve, you have to d- destroy the whole thing. Each time, it's like, you know, fucking starting from scratch. It's crazy. But I went to hit balls uh, today, and it was like back to where it should be. There you go. Are you bringing clubs on tour? Yeah. Dude, oh, that's, yeah. That's so you're hooked. You're, oh, you're, you're hooked. I'm so hooked. I wish I could get it. I, I, I thought that's why you I don't have I, the money to do it. Dave gets torched online for his golf swing, too. It's crazy, too, because I'm actually not that bad. Like, I'll golf once or twice a year, and Swings I'll be, like, issues. around 100 to 105, but I'll, I'll smoke a drive, and then I'll just duff the next two shots, and then I'll put one within five feet of the green, and I'll two-put. Or Dude, five I, foot I of think, the pin I think having kids is what kind of... For me, it's like not having a day job. Mm-hmm. So having free time during the day, during the week. Because I, I have a, I have help with the kids during the week, right. during the day. And I don't, you know, like, I was like, that's my time. I was like, what do I do? Golf was just like, go, I could go, I go, could golf, go golfing. Yeah. So, you don't right. need anybody. Just so you, you got time, man. I yeah. didn't get into it. I was like, but yeah, now I'm fucking addicted to it. If you could golf with anybody, who would you golf with? Alive or dead. Alive or dead. Bill Murray, probably. Oh, good he, choice. That's a great yeah. choice. Good choice. I've actually met him. He's the nicest guy on the planet. I sat, well, actually, my brother sat behind him. I sat right next to him for game seven of the of the World Series. Sorry. In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Yeah. Oh. Was, dude, directly yeah. behind Bill Murray and his brother. And uh, That was the worst day of my life. I, <laughs> 
and probably is. Uh, and yours, I'm sure. I told you, you guys are birds of a fucking feather. It Billy, brutal. Billy Corgan is right behind me from Smashing Pumpkins. He, we, we have so many stories about Billy Corgan on this podcast. I Corgan was like, he was like, you owe me an apology. I sat down. That is, like, this is exactly, exactly what, and he would fold his hands like, that too. you owe me an yeah. apology. And I was, I just, I showed up with my dad, my stepdad, my brother. This is like a family. This is like my closest people in the world to me yeah. to go watch maybe the most magical night. And it, you owe me an apology, like a fucking salty ass rock star. <laughs> um, and I was like, "What? What?" And I and I I had like made a joke about Jack White or something because J- this whole thing happened where Jack had like basically you know tried to start some shit with me, and I was like called him out for it. But I was like, and I said something that I thought was funny at the time, but doesn't even make sense. But I was like, "Yeah, Jack's about as interesting as." Billy Corgan's Zero T-shirt, <laughs> or something, or something like that. But, got back to him. Yeah, because he's like, you owe me. You said my shirt wasn't interesting. I was like, dude. He was probably and he really had, dude, he, to- and he had this like, uh, he had his like hoodie on over him. But dude, I ended up apologizing to him because I was like, yeah, I should, you know, whatever. Yeah, I get it. I was like, it's it's, I was like, I actually hurt this guy's feeling. I, it's like sometimes you don't realize you can actually hurt someone like that's feeling. And I, then I was like, and here we are, at Game Seven at the fucking World Series, and he's sitting next to his manager of all the people in the world. He's with his manager. I was like, I that's. You know, I mean, that's sad as fuck to me. Yeah, why are you, there's a boy. He doesn't have a best friend. Man. The kid he grew up watching yeah. games with, his brother, his cousin. He's just there's his manager. Dude, it's sad. And I was like, dude, that. And I was like, fuck. And so, I was watching Bill Murray, Bill Murray in front of me with his brother. He had like I think a lot of his family. They kept rotating in and out of these seats, and they were having a blast. And I was like, dude, that's like that's the key, man. It's like that's what I really respect about like Murray families is that their, their brothers are nice. actual yeah. people, dude. But his brother John was in front of me, and he had like his font like on his text was like way high, so I could like read his phone. <laughs> and he was sending he was sending a test and said, "What's the score? I'm so drunk I can't read the scoreboard." <laughs> and I was like, "These people are fucking amazing." Yeah, Jesus. that would be a fun round. That would be a very fun round. Feel like you're forcing. So it's you, Bill Murray. Give me two other people. I know it's such a cheap answer, but I'd have to have John Daly in there. I'd have to. Yeah. Just have one ringer who's going to get shit-faced and smoke 20 cigarettes. He's probably like Forrest Gump, dude. He's probably seen it all. He he plays here all the time. Does he? Yeah. In fact, I'm sure if you guys just went up to Old Hickory... Country he'd club. be there just be swinging there. them, he has a, slugging them. He has them. his uh, golf cart permanently there. I don't even Love smoke that. cigarettes, but I would smoke a whole pack of cigarettes. Oh, you'd have to. You'd have, have to, to yeah. down a carton on that course. I'd be cool yeah. with that. Um, but like four or five, or no, this is this probably like 25. Time goes fast, especially with this fucking pandemic. But uh, I was at a Bulls game, and my one of my best friends from high school, his younger brother was the Bulls ball boy. He still he's worked his way up. He's not the ball boy anymore. But uh, Anytime a player would have leftover tickets, he'd hit us up like, hey, I got Derrick Rose's tickets or whoever. Right. He's like, do you want them? So we would sit in the 300s, but right center court. Yeah. Uh, and we're walking around the concourse, and it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night, and we had day jobs at the time, like 9 to 5, so it's not like we were getting all crazy or anything. My buddy Ryan, he like gives me nothing. He's like, hey, that's Billy Corgan. And uh, <laughs> Billy Corgan overheard us say, hey, that's Billy Corgan. So he walked up to us, super friendly, and we we shot the shit for maybe 30 seconds. Yeah. And he's like, hey, do you guys want a picture? I'm like, yeah, he's uh, he's a huge Smashing Pumpkin fan. Like, I'll take a picture of you guys. And he's like, what, you're not a Smashing Pumpkin fan? <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't like Smashing Pumpkins? What do you got against us? Well, what don't you like? Yeah. I was like, dude, like, dude, I didn't dude. Relax, like that, brother. Man. Dude, it's intense. It was wild. It we, was were at, like, we, were, we were at the Sunset Marquee the other day. It's just a hotel in Los Angeles that for some reason, like every tour manager or booking, you know, whatever, like, they're like, okay, we'll put the band here. The band's going to want to stay here. I, I don't really want to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> right. It turns out I don't, but I'm just there and like, it's fine. But like, there's a lot of other musicians there. Uh, and 
you know, it's all musicians. But like we were hanging out and like hanging out with Green Day. I never met them. They were mm-hmm. like so much fun, honestly. We hang out with Mike and uh, Billy Joe. I like hearing that. Yeah, dude, we were like, yeah, he like jumped on Billy Joe, like jumped on my back <laughs> at one point. That was quick. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. Um, but yeah, there's just like this cabana set up, and Billy was there having lunch or something with some friends, and like it was like it looked like a scene from like Zoolander, like someone had like <laughs> bright orange clothes on with orange matching glasses, and like they're all wearing like tunics and like i was just like this is so amazing <laughs> you walk in your porch and i'm just like yeah walking in like a dumbass like okay <laughs> that's yeah. why we fucking love you though because uh, you're a normal human you should, yeah. have, you should have like a little tv show yeah seriously yeah. you've got some really good stories if yeah. you want a, a weekly segment you can just come on and talk shit like, okay yeah. do you got just, anything to say to jack white right now like his shirt's no I, I made amends with uh with white with white so you can finally admit that meg white's the greatest drummer on the planet right now I do like Meg's drumming a lot. I, I wish they play, I wish they still played. Me too. He's a big baseball guy too. You guys have a yeah. lot in common. Yeah, he's Midwest fan, guy. Yeah. Midwest. We have a, that's why that's Wait, what, is he Ohio? He's Detroit. No, Detroit. Oh no, no, no. That's Detroit. right. Detroit, Detroit, yeah. But but you know, it's natural kind of oil and water, like mm-hmm. Ohio, Michigan, you know. You guys came up around the same time too. I love Michigan though. I do love Detroit. The first time I went to Detroit, we got on stage and we were just we had hung out all day in the city of Detroit. We because we were so excited to go play there. We went and played this little place called the Logger House. It's still there by the old Tiger Stadium, a real rundown part of town. And like Cork Town, I don't know what they call it. I think it Corktown. is. It's fucking scary. You know what I mean? But it's like not 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 much scarier than like I guess where I lived in Akron, but way more bombed out buildings. Mm. And well, uh, Dan got a stage. He's like, man, he's like, how do you guys live here? This is a fucking piece of shit. And I was like, dude, <laughs> everybody walked out. I was like, you can't say that. And he's like, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, never. It's again. like that's like yeah. Eastbound and Down when yeah. he's doing the interview yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's, talking, I'm not even. <laughs> going to no, say it. Come on, dude. We're having well, a good we day. We all know what quote or scene we're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> all time scene. It's hilarious, but it's you know. <laughs> Imagine walking going to show in Philly and. Dan walks on stage and just like, damn, this place fucking sucks, dude. Hot like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the reality is, is like when you're playing most punk clubs, like if that's what you see in the city, it's like, whoa, maybe not the best parts of town or something. But yeah, we used to play a game back before, like, you know, we had the internet <laughs> when we just had like the Rand McNally Atlas and we would find the fucking street that we had to go to. I mean, it was hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Figure it out. You used to get out map to New quest? Jersey like that. Dude, yeah. If you didn't have MapQuest, you were like looking at the blown up thing like, where the fuck? You'd have to guess. We'd have to guess. We'd try to guess where the cool parts mm-hmm. of town is. In fact, Nashville's one of those places where like there's such weird, you know, separate neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. And nothing makes sense here that like if you don't know where you're going to this town, you just be like, I don't fucking get Nashville. Nope. Uh, but this definitely the first time we came here. Like, what the fuck is going on here? The place sucks because <laughs> we played right down the street here where the Three Crow Bar is now. It was called the Slow Bar. You and played Three Crow. That was your first spot in Nashville. Well, it was called the Slow Bar. Yeah, and uh, no one was really there, and there was like nothing going on. It was just so desolate, and downtown it was just like the only thing open was McDonald's. And I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> That's why when I walk around here now, I was like, damn, like I just. When people bitch about Nashville growing, I, I, I all I think is like, man, if Akron could experience like ten percent of what the city did, like that play, what a what a huge benefit oh, yeah. would that be for that city? Like for sure. growing up in a city that's just like, you know, contracting and like the other night, 
some kid got beat to death like in Akron at LeBron James's school. 250 feet from where Dan and I made our, where we used to make our records. Like, that's where that city's gone. Like, this, this has not improved. LeBron put the school there, but still some kids getting fucking beat to death. I mean, that's a brutal thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, every time people bitch about the city, about it growing and stuff, I'm like, man, like, there's a, there's a, a lot of that. And I, I get it. It's like different. Like, like I just bitched about it. I said how cool it was. But <laughs> you sucked. But I'm from Akron. I'm from Akron. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like being able to, like, just going downtown and the, and the businesses being open is a shock for me. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, it wasn't like that. Like, I would go downtown in Akron and it was like, there was a porn theater called the Downtown Akron Adult Cinema. There's a couple pawn shops. There is nothing. It was desolate, you know? So, did you guys ever play the porn theater? No. But <laughs> would you want to? It's just still for, like, open. Nostalgia? It moved. It moved. And now, uh, it, I think it's like it's one of those places I'm guessing is like the seediest place on earth. But oh, I've I'm never sure. been inside. Yeah, it's just one dude in Haw- a bald dude in a Hawaiian shirt in there. He just never leaves. Yeah. There's what two. is a good hometown show memory for you? The hometown shows are never really great because it's <laughs> like the first time we played like the Q um, or whatever it's called now. Quicken Loons Quicken Arena. Loons. Yeah. yeah. Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage House. Wherever. All <laughs> house. corporate names that yeah. change every two years. Um, we showed up backstage after the show and there was like uh, 400 people. Our parents had like gone bonkers and put like everybody, like my dad, this is my barista. <laughs> I was like every, everybody, every single like, person. This is the paper boy. This is the, uh, they walk our dogs sometimes. I was like, <laughs> I literally was like, left and was like you can't do that (laughs) (laughs) what's the uh okay on the flip side what's the best guest list you've ever been put on Ooh, that's a hell of a question i think that that game seven of the world series was oh you got you got the hook i got the hook up for that that's a nice little score right there those tickets are probably going for two three thousand a pop right Easily, just to dude. Get I, think, I think that I think that they had to put me there because it was all Chicago fans in Cleveland. It was like, dude, it was like Eddie Vedder. It was everybody. Oh dude, yeah, I, I'm sure all the who's. There was like, dude, the, sure like, like there was private jets. Boy, Cusack was you know, there. It was like went, going to the Masters. How many people from Augusta are going to the Masters? Zero. Yeah, how many people went f- viral for fighting John Cusack? Not fighting John Cusack. Cusack was there, dude. His yeah, face sure looked it like it got 3D printed on like another person. Yeah, it was like interesting. Oh my god. That was like the apocalypse game. Dude, the actors, like, actors get the work done, man. And it's like, looks, re- I mean, maybe it translates on the camera or something, but you see him in person, you're like, what the fuck? What did you think when you, well, he had, a, he had his, like, skinhead mask on. Like, he had one of those tube masks that goes around, this was last fall, like last uh, October, yeah. that goes around your whole. Wait, face what? So, what happened? Long story short, so. I hate, I don't hate, I, I don't really care. I don't think about it, but I, I think it's lame when people are both a Cubs and White Sox fan. Like, uh, I hate the Cubs. Uh, you got to pick one. You got to hate one. Yeah, you got to yeah, love yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah. It's just how I think it goes. And he is always on, if the White Sox are good, he's at, you know, their playoff games. If the Cubs are good, he's at their playoff games. It's like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be miserable when the other team's good. Facts. That's just how it goes. So Dave confronted him about being. Yeah. So I, but I did it as a joke, and he started getting fucking furious with me, and he's like double finger pointing my chest and everything. <laughs> and the video went viral. I didn't even know it was viral until the next day. I looked at my phone. I got eight thousand DMs. Like the New York Post posted it. Yeah. And- Every person I've yeah. ever met was like, yo, what, what's up with your boy? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. S- Snowden tweeted about yeah, it. Oh yeah, Edward, Edward Snowden, Snowden tweeted yeah. about him. What did he say? 
Uh, he's called him a moron. He's like, you called you a moron? Well, he, so Cusack's like a black belt, apparently. And I guess he's like some psychopath that just snaps and will like kick people's asses. I'm sure. I'm not I, that. Yeah. So I heard about that afterwards, but Snowden said something like, not only can uh, my friend John Cusack like beat ass in the, in the, karate gym but he's also on baseball encyclopedia or something like that and i was like what planet am yeah. i on where this guy who's like yeah. a fugitive or whatever he is i don't even know is oh yeah people have the you know yeah i don't know i got a big mouth so I, i'm always constantly getting confronted with that like the billy corgan arms or whatever it might be but corgan to his better it's like you know i i get what you're saying and i like i like competition i'm a, i'm into pro wrestling and mm -hmm. whatever yeah, I, I I think most people are completely fucking crazy. Yeah, and, I agree. Um, and I steer clear of most people. Yeah, that's how I am. I, uh, I, I hate but everybody. like to, you know, um, yeah, I think I mean that's what makes the world so interesting. Is there's so many truly eccentric people out mm -hmm. there. I mean, uh, people are fascinating. But yeah, definitely like, uh, yeah. I would be I'd be uh, no, I'd be freaked out too if someone was, felt so passionately about their baseball team that they put fucking hands in my face. It's it's, um, it's a little longer. I didn't I didn't like confront him. Confront him. I just walked up to him. So you know what? Like it's just it's just like that's the thing. Is like the thing about Cleveland is they're we're much better at losing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I think when when the Cavs won the championship, like it was almost like we all kind of like fuck. We have nothing to moan about <laughs> yeah, anymore. Yeah, we, this doesn't really gone. suit us that well. And like LeBron, can you please leave now? Yeah, yeah. Can you please? No, you can go. Let's go to go, back to go to LA. LA. We're fine. Yeah. We're we, we're we're more comfortable being the underdog. I feel that way personally. Like I felt really uncomfortable when we were like when things really started working for us, like, and we were, like, headlining Coachella and stuff. That was the most stressful year of my life. Dude, I I, I get that a lot because. Like, I started Barstool kind of as a joke, and they're like, hey, we'll pay 250 bucks a month. I'm like, fuck yeah, that pays my utilities, you know? Yeah. Splitting a $1,300 yeah. apartment with a buddy at the time, that was more than enough for me. And then all of a sudden, it's just like exponential growth. And I never in a million years thought I would, like, I would be in this spot right here as we speak, but it's hard to handle. you find yourself on the receiving end of uh, a guy who's passionate about two yeah, teams. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I will say, he was I've always, thought, like I've always thought it was unusual because the rivalry, because like if they were both in the National League, I'd be like, that would it's be... City Pride, yeah, it's, I mean, all my best get, friends are get, Cubs fans. Yeah, like, I get it's it. More, my, my best friend's a Cubs fan. And that's yeah. why I, I got to, during the World Series, it's funny because I didn't really watch baseball for all of my 20s. Mm -hmm. Like around the 97 World Series, Probably flipped it, right? I was just so bummed out. And then the playoffs in 99. That team was so awesome, too. They were so awesome. That's the first World Series I remember, actually. It was that 97 World Series. <sighs> I went to I went to watch them. I, I got to go to a game. And they lost. And I just was like, this is, sucks. But I started watching baseball a lot because my best friend uh, is way into baseball. Who lives here? Uh, that's the best thing I got out of, out of Nashville. Is I, when I moved here, I moved across the street from this dude who became my best friend. I was like, so he, he's into baseball. A Cubs fans from Chicago, from the North side. And uh, I started really paying attention in like 2014, 15. And then here I am listening to the games, having, you know, addicted to the MLB app. Mm -hmm. And my team's like, you know, the year before, no, the, I guess it was that year. Like, dude, they had the winning streak. You know, the twenty-one. Yeah, they had it. They had it the following year too. But that. Yeah. And I was like, what? Okay, I started. I was like, really, like my ears perked up. Like yep. July. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? 
my team. And like, I was like, dude, they could fucking go. They could fucking do, is this really going to happen? Like, uh, so when they went, dude, like, I wasn't expecting them to go. I thought they're going to get knocked out quick. Yeah. But I got, I went to, I went to Wrigley for game four, I guess it was, where they won uh, at Wrigley. They won all three at Wrigley. Yeah. It was yeah, the first, did, but it was the first one they won at Wrigley. So maybe it was game three. But it was, was like, miserable there. Uh, I was like, wait, what the fuck is happening? I was like, my first time in Wrigley, the Indians just beat the fucking Cubs in Wrigley. I was like, this is fucking amazing. And I was like, it was very weird because the, the couple of weeks earlier, I was out in LA and I was standing um, in front, it was in a valley, standing in front of a, this restaurant in the middle of the afternoon. And I hear this car, like, um, like screech, screech. Billy Corgan. Slam, like park, the door slams. Boom. And then, oh, fuck. And I look up and it's fucking uh, Jeff Garland. What? I just got out of yeah. his car and he's walking towards me. He's like, oh, I just threw out my back as I was coming to talk to you. He's like walking up to me, his back all crooked. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, he's like, yeah, I just saw you. I want to come talk to you. And I just fucking tweaked my back. And then like I started talking to Jeff Garland. He's like, yeah, I'm a fan of your band, blah, blah, blah. Dude, he's a huge like blues. Dude, I was like. I'm a fan of yours. This is crazy. Like that's got to be a weird I, like, moment. That was really you. weird. Yeah. Like this may be the first time ever something like that's happened. Like someone, like hey, this is so weird. He's like, yeah, and that's awesome. We, that was I, we exchanged numbers. It was like ten minute thing, and I left. And then a couple months later, a couple weeks later, I'm I see him at Wrigley. He's like, what the fuck? And then he's like, what are you doing? Like they, he's kind of bummed. This team just lost, and he's. He, I then proceeded to hang out with him for like the next four hours after the game. He took me into Second City. Mm-hmm. There's like a oh, whole that's awesome. like comedy thing. It was insane, dude. Dude, I'm I'm still like fucking shocked that this actually happened. I know. I kind of yeah. feel bad, and I want to like we've taken up so much of your yeah. time. I want to put a ball on this, but I also want to appease your management, who I'm sure would appreciate. No, I, I've got a, a small little plug. What do you got cooking for the rest of 2022 here? Uh, we're we're doing a U.S. tour. We leave in July. We start in Vegas, and uh, we're going like three different. We we do it in like two or three week long legs, so mm. we can get back and get tortured by our kids. Yeah, <laughs> smart. So it's just enough to want to get out of the house. So we're we're going through October. Um, coming through Chicago. We are coming northerly. We are. Let's go. Yeah. A new record out too. A new album just came out. What's the name of it? Dropout Boogie. Dropout Boogie. Yeah. We talked more about conspiracy theories and cheeseburgers than we did about well, the That's album. what I'm saying. I wanna, that's the yeah, point. Yeah. That's the point. You don't need, I mean, uh, I mean. What about we'll, like, we'll get, we'll you really need that. to like, like plug it? Like, yeah. no. I don't know. I it's it's like, do. I got to the point where I was like, you're, you know, you, you do your press. It's like, it's interesting to go talk about, like, so like what motivated you to make this record? And you know what, why are you making this record? And it's like, cause I've literally can't do anything else. <laughs> like I, I could cook dinner for my family, mm-hmm. but I would have to. I have to buy the ingredients somehow. So yeah. like, this is all I do now. So is I feed like my music. family. Yeah, I mean, luckily that is how I do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think was it? A, I just was feel it? like I just feel like you know, I, you know, I went to art school sort of for like. Two quarters. It was like a fake art school. It was the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. They later like shut down. It went out of business because, like, strip mall. 
I was I was going Pittsburgh Art School didn't make it. Well, like <laughs> yeah. I had this teacher there. I was studying photography, and this teacher was like, he 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 reeked of whiskey. And this is right. in the morning. He was like, I was like taking the school seriously, and all the kids would just fuck off. And he was like, "What the fuck are you doing here, dude? What are you What are you doing here?" And he pulled out this big like catalog of all of his, his photographs. He's like, "It's all pictures of like kitchen cabinets and commercial photography." He's like, you want to do this? You want to do this? Not even just do this. You want to light this and like this is what you want to do? And I was like, "No." He's like, "Well, get the fuck out of here." <laughs> and, and I love this guy. Yeah, hey, he changed your life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Okay, right." This is bullshit. Okay. <laughs> and so I was like, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm not really that passionate about this. I'm passionate about music. I went to that University of Akron and I realized that, you know, whatever. I looked, realized that this kid down the street, you know, whatever. It all was fucking I, very bizarre. Cosmically. Yeah. Yeah. But my brother went to art school and, you know, real art school. And like, dude, um, essentially, like whenever I read music press and our artists talking about their work, I'm just like that person probably went to art school because you're taught you're you're all you're doing is, is you're taught how to talk about your art that's what sells the art not like what you're actually making you know so it's like you 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 you're taught to be a bullshit artist mm -hmm. you know what i mean and uh all the because of that like yeah. if i were to talk about my art i would be bullshitting you because i don't even think about it when i'm making it I fucking you know I mean? love you. You just go do. You just do it. It sounds good, yeah. and then that's that's what it is. And it's like, oh yeah, like this part from the song. I really think that thing's really cool, mm -hmm. and maybe I could build something off of that. It's like, and when people call you out on that, it's like there's one thing like borrow a whole song. It's one thing to like be like when people are like, ah yeah, this all of it's connected, man. And like, mm -hmm. if I were to if I were to drive down the street and be like, every single house needs to be a complete unique approach. You know what I mean? Like, dude. It would be a catastrophe. Yeah, it's not possible. <laughs> uh, it's not possible, dude. And so when people act like it's not connected in that way, it's very hard for me. It's just like a restaurant. It's like you, the nuance between a burger is very profound to me. And that's why I think it's interesting to talk about pizza or a burger or something because w when you're dealing with the exact same ingredients and someone comes out with something slightly different, like, that's what makes life interesting. You know For I mean? sure. That's what makes humans interesting is that there's 7 billion of us. Half of us look one way, half of us look the other way. But we can tell each and every one apart. You know what I mean? And that's why, that's what, that, that's the, that's the interesting thing. So when you start acting like you're coming from this place that's completely unique to you, it just isn't, you know, I think that there's more transcendent than that. Definitely. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, that's why sports becomes this thing that is interesting is because it is like you can watch it for various reasons. You can watch it because your team is from the same town. You're from the same town as a team. You can watch it because there's a player that you like there. You, you can watch it because you're into the technical aspect of what someone's able to do. Mm -hmm. There's all these different things. And that's like, that's why ultimately golf is so boring to watch on television. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're watching someone compete with themselves and you're watching some of the most it's new mental it's the most nuanced yeah. mental game. Yeah. It does not translate well. You can't even watch the ball flight correctly. You right. can't watch the swing. You can't analyze the shit. It's like you're watching someone putt 20 feet, but it looks like three feet. It doesn't fucking work. Mm -hmm. So what you're really looking for is you're looking for the, it's the calming effect. You know what I mean? It's like, it's transcendent that way. But when you're watching baseball and you're watching someone whip like a slider, you know, it's, it's, it takes a certain type of person to find that interesting. You know what I mean? And I think that that's why, like, I can't even watch basketball. Can't can't get my head around it because it's just so fucking boring to me. <laughs> that's how I am too. Um, Fuck basketball. 
I don't see the strategy. And when I do see a strategy, it doesn't seem interesting to me. I don't get it. It doesn't seem exciting to me. Yeah, it's the, I think it's the most popular sport oh, in the world. Oh, by far, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Sports are fascinating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's why it's so amazing. The best thing about sporting, the best thing about like sports is like being able to watch it on TV because you can walk away. Yep. You know I mean, uh, I do that regularly with the White Sox. They piss me off. I'm just like, <laughs> dude, it's um, hard. It's hard to like go to attend a football game and and sit through that shit. Yeah, it's, it's, it is hard. I'm surprised so many people like it because also you're just watching it. Like, man, this grown dude like paints his face for this game. He gets like that. <laughs> oh, they're and, like, weird. And also like, this guy's found the time to get drunk in the morning before the game and then go do all that. I'm like, dude, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, I'm one of those guys. People yeah. do the same thing with watching Johnny Depp like perform with you guys at the MTV Movie Awards. Like this guy fucking put on nine rings. That's true. That is true. It's all connected. It is all connected. But yeah, that's why I think music definitely doesn't translate on TV or film. Like you, I can't watch it on TV. I can watch it like for historical purposes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I'm not gonna get like excited to watch a band. I mean, maybe on SNL if I'm like because you're watching. To see if they fuck up, I guess. That's part of it. You're waiting for the train wreck. Yeah. yeah I mean, and and I, honestly, I'm going to fucking deliver that sometime. I'm going to bring it. You two need to fucking dude, look, just, hang out. Dude, when people, when you do do it properly, just train wreck just enough. It could maybe be the best thing you could do for your career. It's happened a lot. Not Ashley Simpson, but when Lana Del Rey was on SNL, she, she, went, she didn't like do a great, great, crazy job. She had, she struggled with it. And it was like, you look up the articles. I mean, I remember talking to her right after that. I was like, you know, she was telling me she like at the time she was like, I don't want to play music anymore. Yeah, probably. and I was like, you should keep playing music. Fuck it. Now she's humongous. Now she's massive. Huh? Yeah, mega star. Fuck. Who is a newer artist that you're excited about or that you? Yeah, are throw a name out there in. that you don't think anybody would have heard of. I like asking this question oh, to man. you guys. Or something like that people would not. I mean, they don't have to be like off the radar. But who yeah. do you think has come along in the last few years that? You're like okay. I think that there's tons of tons of artists that are interesting. You know, there's lots of stuff I listen to. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I think that when records, records in my mind is like a record will get to you when when it's supposed to. Mm. Like other people do a good job sorting out the cream of the crop. You know what I mean? And from in my experience advocating for bands that are really small is just way too frustrating because it's like rooting for your single a team that you know is never gonna <laughs> be able to throw a 95 mile an hour fastball right my favorite most of my favorite musicians like never could write a hit song never wrote a hit song right you know i love this band guided by voices mm. from ohio from dayton in fact the singer was a you should have him on he threw a no hitter in 1977 for right state and uh he, they have a commemorative T-shirt that they sell. Sick. Link us. Yeah, yeah Bob, well, Robert well. Pollard. Dude, he's one of the most prolific songwriters of uh, the last 50 years. He's And, uh, yeah, they've, he's never had a hit song. He's got a nasty curveball. He's, dude, he's he's a badass. You should definitely have him on. Jesus Christ. This was fucking unbelievable. So, yeah. so the, my last, this is my last question for you. So you said that, like, when you're, when you're making music, you... You're like, I'll, I'll do this part. If it sounds good, like, I'll just build on it, and I'll just do it. Uh, Kenny kind of, our AWOL Nation guy, he kind of said the same thing when he wrote Sail. Uh, he's like, yeah, we just, we wrote it in 45 minutes. We were stoned, and all of a sudden, a couple months later, it's like mega hit, you know? Uh, hard to handle. <laughs> hard to handle. How, how did that song come to be? 
Wait, I heard the handle. I'm just fucking. He, yeah, he's I'm all day been yeah. saying every time I think Black Keys, I think Dude, Black no, 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 Crows. No, no. Oh, Black Crows. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's all. That's what it's reading. That's what it's reading. Yeah, I'll take that. I have I have a question I like to ask. Dude, I have I hung out with Rich and Chris Robinson once years ago. Did they fist They argued and it was like I, they argued and it was beautiful. Huh? Wait, so that that's on that's no act. That's no, it's real. I I have hung out with Noel Gallagher a couple times and I was like, I was that's like, his guy. That's his guy. Yeah, that's my guy. What was he like? He's amazing. He's not. He seems like the biggest asshole. Though. Uh, Is he funny as hell? And but I did say to him like the last time I saw him, I was like, so like. You and Liam, like, you really hate each other. He's like, what the fuck, dude? I fucking can't stand him. Like, Are you, why the fuck would I joke about that? I can't, he's like, oh, How fuck. big do you think it would be if they just buried the hatch and announced a reunion tour? Like, would it? That would be big. But, you know, they were never that popular in the U.S. Most people don't realize that. We were out. We, we got asked to tour with them in 2009, right before they broke up. They broke up backstage in Paris at this festival that we ended up headlining there once called Rock and Sane. Uh, but... Yeah, if you look up there, I think they have one platinum record in the U.S. or something. Interesting. Yeah, but in, but, but but that's the interesting thing. People don't like, you know, if you go deep on this shit, you start realizing like everybody wanted to be, everybody wants to be big in America, you know. But it's weird. Like in the seventies, or like they kept trying to take bands to England to break them because yep. the press would write about you quickly, you know. So like Chrissy Hind and different people go to England because you get the press quick. And that then, was Kings of Leon too. Like if you look at like two thousand Kings, like, Kings of Leon. Yeah, everybody wants to be big in the, in the U.S. That's where you want to be big. That's where you want to be big. There's sixty five cities in North America that you can play. Dude, Led Zeppelin has so, sold like, and of course there's way more people here, but proportionately the the platinum award. You know, in England, for a record, when you sell 100,000 copies, I think, or really? maybe, maybe it's 300,000 copies, uh, and in the U.S. it's a million, but, dude, they're, like, proportionately, they're, like, 10 times more popular, Led Zeppelin, in the U.S. than they were in England. Because they, they toured here the most, because there's way more money here. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, I mean, think about it. Like, think about, like, all the musicians from England have tried to break in over here. You know, what I mean, what's that one pop star, Robbie Williams? Yeah, never made it. They never made it. He's spent like you know because because that's the goal. The goal is to come here. And what and about he's that? So big over there still. What about that soccer guy, David Beckham and Posh Spice? Yep. Like they were, like I don't know. They're like I think no. they're billionaires, aren't they? Yeah, they made a lot of money, but I mean, like they're they're, they're like he printed money in, in yeah. England. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. yeah, printed money. Yeah, I don't know. So for someone who, admittedly, not trying to be a badass or flex, but you say that music just is comes naturally to you. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that I don't. I don't feel comfortable talking about like the creative process and 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 the meaning of the songs and the meaning of the art. Personally, Dan and I both have always felt uncomfortable with that. But I think you know that's all I'm saying. It's just like. It's not that interesting to talk about, like right. There's a there's a podcast called Song Exploder that yep. I think is interesting because they they do shut to walk you through the formation of a song, how it comes about, and I think that that I could that's something different, you know. But like, yeah, I'm just saying what? like if when when I'm on a podcast, scared around sports, maybe talk more about sports because that's what I'm interested in. Right. So, what would you say to somebody, not in Dave's or to Dave, someone who's trying to pick up music and I'm, not, I'm just trying to fuck around on a guitar no but you to, know it's you know someone that's 
where you were 20 years ago, you know, struggling, trying to break through, frustrated, what kind of advice would you give somebody in a position like that? I mean, that? I get that asked that kind of stuff a lot. And honestly, like, if you want to play music for a living, I don't. Okay. Yeah. Then, like, just I just want to pick up a guitar and play it, like, at a bonfire yeah. with the boys. Then never, for, never do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll be that guy. I'm that don't. guy for a dozen other, other things. Like, I'll be that guy for another one. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be that guy? I'm going to be that guy. Okay. Then I think that I, you just need to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Man, definitely don't. I can't can give you any advice if that's the goal. <laughs> that's how we end the conversation yeah. I think yeah. I think that's how we wrap it up yeah. no advice for Dave because we can't let you play the guitar at a bonfire yeah everybody else gave advice but they were probably thinking this guy's a fucking asshole yep 100% yeah. <laughs> uh, dude yeah, thank, thank you so you. much man yeah, yeah, this, really this is a ton of fun man everybody go listen to Dropout Boogie go see Black of the Black He's on tour once again, still dumbfounded this actually happened. Me too. I this wasn't. I didn't think it was gonna happen until I saw you walk through the fucking door. I know you took a lot of time out of a Monday yeah, yeah. afternoon for three nobodies. Like this is awesome, man. Thank no, you so much. It's all good, man. Thank you so much. Have Thank fun you in so, Nashville. So much. Yeah, we're gonna Thanks, go and enjoy a little bit.